0: If you have your Bibles, we're going to continue in our series in the book of Ephesians. We're really trying to finally end Ephesians. We've been here for a few years, and we're right, right toward the tail end. Uh, And as is my habit, uh, I probably should stop saying this. I was supposed to do a lot more than I am, but I'm only going to do a certain portion. So hopefully in the next few weeks, we will be done with the book of Ephesians. But Ephesians chapter 6, we find ourselves in Ephesians chapter 6. And I'm going to read starting at verse 10 and going all the way down to verse 18, Ephesians chapter 6, starting at verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness. And take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Thus ends the inerrant, inspired, infallible Word of the living God. Would you go with me before the Lord in prayer? God, this is your Word this is not a word. This is your word. The word that comes from the God who spoke this entire universe into existence. The word who became flesh and dwelt among us. The word that speaks life. The word that gives us hope and peace rest, and an eternal destiny with you in heaven. This is the word of the almighty God. God, help us to feel its weight and its gravity, its wonder and its beauty. And God, Holy Spirit, will you do the work that only you can? Will you allow for your word to penetrate our hearts? This is something that I can't do. I'm just a mere man with five loaves and two fish. So God, will you feed those who have yet to come to know you? And God, will you feed those that call you their own? Not by might, nor by power, but by your spirit will you do these things. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. We are still in the vein of spiritual warfare. In spiritual warfare we are now at the very end with respect to the armor where paul ends with the very essential component for the actual deployment of the armor in your life you see if you want to see and experience more faith if you want to experience truth rooting you if you want the gospel declaration shodding your feet If you want the Word of God, which is the sword of the Spirit, dictating and dominating and fighting for you, if you want righteousness flowing out of you, then there's a component that must be, if you were to experience the wonder, the beauty, and the greatness of the armor of God. And I talked about this a few weeks ago, and that is prayer. Prayer actually deploys the armor. I don't know if you realize that. I don't know if you saw prayer in that way. Well, why do I say that this discipline of prayer deploys the armor? First, if you notice in verse 18, he says, praying at all times in the spirit. Now, what Paul does not do, which he has done with all of the rest of the pieces of the armor, is he does not attach it to a military metaphor. There's no military metaphor when it comes to prayer as opposed to with faith, as opposed to with the word, as opposed to with righteousness, and so on and so forth. All of the others were attached to a military metaphor. The reason also why I say that prayer deploys the armor is because what we have here is what is called an inclusio. Verse 18 and 19 is closing off the very section on the spiritual warfare with the equipping that starts in verse 10 of Ephesians chapter 6. Because what does he say in verse 10 of Ephesians 6? He says, finally, be strong in the Lord. So he's telling us in verse 10, be strong. So now here's the question How do we be strong? Namely, how do we get all of these areas of the armor that help us to be strong? If you have the sword of the spirit, shield of faith, belt of truth, helmet of salvation, then you will be strong. And he's commanding us in verse 10 to be strong. But look what Paul does, and he's an example of what it looks like to then deploy these strength-giving giving, um, armor pieces. Ephesians three sixteen through 17. What does Paul do? He prays. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be what? Strengthened. Just like Ephesians 6:10, he's telling you to be strong, but yet in Ephesians 3:16 and 17, he's praying that you be strong, that you be strengthened with power through his what spirit. There's the armor, right? The sword of the what? Spirit. So he's praying that you be strengthened through his spirit in your inner being. And then verse 17, watch, here's another piece of the armor. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through, what's that word? Faith. So if you have faith, if you have the spirit indwelling in you, you will be strengthened. Well, how is he trying to get these pieces of strength on the people in Ephesians? He's praying for them that they have them. This is why I say that, the arm, that, that prayer deploys the armor. This is why Paul doesn't give a metaphor of army to, our, to prayer because it is the very foundation for how you live in and experience and gain the armor. He's using prayer as a mechanism, if you will. It reminds me of Mark chapter 9 that demonstrates the power of prayer when we're talking about spiritual warfare. And especially here as Paul is highlighting the demonic and he actually demonstrates in Mark chapter 9 there's a boy with a mute and deaf spirit and the disciples attempt to try to uh, exorcise this demon from this child and and the parents come to Jesus and they say they tried so hard they tried so hard to get this demon but it would not come out and what does Jesus tell them this one only comes out with prayer so here we see clearly the power of the deployment of the armor in spiritual warfare with respect to prayer. So what do we here see so far about prayer? First, you will not live fully equipped against satanic forces against your life without prayer. If you don't want to get blown over in your life by the devil when the trauma hits when the desires in your life remain unfulfilled, when when the disappointments and the discouragements come, when the tempting whispers of the evil one are in the echoes of your mind and in your heart, if you do not have prayer, then you will find yourself succumbing to the devil's schemes. And second, what we see is in according to Mark chapter 9, there are certain demonic strongholds in your life, listen to me, That will not budge without prayer. That addiction, that lingering bitterness, that unrelenting sadness, that dark cloud that continues to linger, that that sinful habit, that, that lack of contentment that just resonates in your heart. There are certain things, even manifestations of healing that you desire. There are certain things, and not all of them, I'm not saying all of them, There are certain things that will not come out but by prayer, according to Mark chapter 9. And so the last time I preached from Ephesians, Paul calls us to do this in verse 18. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end, keep alert. Everybody say keep alert. In other words, watch. And so what Paul calls the Ephesian church to, what he calls us to, is if we're going to experience that, that deployment of the armor in our lives, then we have to engage in watchful prayer. And many call this, as I said, the prayer of examine. And a very clear biblical illustration of of the prayer of examine is is when you examine your heart and ask God, show me the places in my life as I'm praying to you where the devil can come in and have certain strongholds. Where's the anger in my life, Lord? Where's the bitterness? Where's the unforgiveness? Because as we talked about, all of those are tapas, Ephesians chapter 4, right? Tapas are places where the devil can come in. And examine prayer is when you're examining your heart, focusing on the things that the devil can come in, that the flesh can come in, that the world can come in and begin to root you in sinful habits. And David demonstrates this clearly for us. In Psalm 139 verse 22, 23, he says, search my heart, O God, know my heart, try me and know my thoughts and see if there's any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So he's saying, God, I just, you gotta, you gotta search my heart. You got to search my heart because there's things going on in my heart that, that that are moving me potentially away from your thoughts. And then I need you to lead me in the way everlasting. This is a prayer of examine. So first, what is it as I can summarize it? A prayer of examine is first, what am I believing that is untrue about who I am in Christ right now? What's going on in my heart that I know this is true in my mind, but I'm not feeling it? Or I'm not appropriating it by faith in my heart secondarily a watchful keeping alert kind of a prayer is where you're looking for the disordered desires that are inside that are roaming and around in your heart those things that you really want but but aren't being fulfilled what are those things going on in the heart the next thing is sinful attitudes when, when you're examining your you're keeping alert in prayer Ephesians 618 you're keeping alert by keeping alert means you're looking for those sinful attitudes And then lastly, what you do is you invite God to meet you in those places. You invite God to meet you in those places. You see, what he's calling us to here when he says to keep alert in verse 18 is take time to survey the areas in your life where Satan may try to get a foothold. Watch for them and invite God's presence into them. Now there's another aspect, though, of prayer that may be... You didn't see, maybe we brush over quickly in this text, that deploys the armor, that Paul highlights. Not only is it watchful prayer, keeping alert, there's another aspect. And so what I want us to see this morning is first, what other aspect of prayer, other than just watchful prayer or keeping alert prayer that I just said, must be for you to be strengthened with power? To be equipped with the shield of faith, to to have the sword of the spirit, to be walking in righteousness, to be girded up with truth, to to be walking in the power of your salvation. What other part of prayer deploys the armor? And then secondarily, how do you engage in this mode of prayer? So, what other aspect of prayer deploys the armor? Verse 18 again, if you will. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication, to that end, keep alert. So there's watchful prayer. With all perseverance, making supplication, and what's that phrase there? Everybody stay with me. For all the what? Saints. The other piece of, of, of what needs to happen is, as far as prayer is concerned, the other mode of prayer that must be if you're going to experience the kind of wonderful strength that comes from the deployment of this armor is you have to be having other people praying for you. If prayer is foundational to the deployment of the armor, and prayer then, as Paul is saying it in verse 18, is to be for all the saints, then the person that is sitting next to you right now is necessary for you to experience the armor that we see in the text. I want you to look at your neighbor. Tell your neighbor, I need you. Look to the right and the left, I need you. And then I would say look at him again say I need you to pray for me all right all my introverts are like freaking out right now (laughs) you see we call this intercessory prayer and this is exactly what Paul modeled in both the prayers that we see in Ephesians and in both the prayers he's praying that they be what armed he's praying for strength he's praying for power and he's praying for the Ephesians this reminds me of the Lord's Prayer I think sometimes when we read the Lord's Prayer when you read lead us not into temptation you know how we read that lead me not into temptation what is the word there us that prayer just ain't about you oops In fact, the whole Lord's prayer ain't just about you. He uses us throughout the entire thing. Forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. Give us this day our daily bread. You see, I need you to be praying. I need you to be praying that the eyes of my heart would see that God's ways are better. You need me praying for you. That God will reveal new and refreshing ways that Jesus really is the greatest treasure. As Pastor James preached last week, you got to hear that message if you didn't. I need you to stand in the gap when my faith is at its lowest measure. You need me to be praying that you stand in the truth no matter the pressure. I need you praying that I walk in the breastplate of righteousness in the midst of the storm and not be a fair weather. You see, when I see this text, and, and I see what Paul is calling us to when it comes to praying for one another, I, I have this vision, and you guys know I'm a cartoon guy, and, and I've been watching uh, He-Man, the new version, not like the old school, man, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, they're struggling, but, but, I'm, but I'm enjoying enough of it anyway, but, but you know when He-Man gets the sword, right, and, and he throws it up, and what does he say, y'all, I have the power, right, okay? When he does that, all of a sudden it's like, and he just, right, and everything starts like all of his battle gear starts coming on him, and and Battle Cat and Cringer who is all scared, and all of a sudden he, and he got these shoes and all sorts of good stuff, right? That's kind of how I picture it, right? Is when or, or Power Rangers? How many Power Rangers fans we got up in here? We, y'all still watch Power Rangers? Oh, okay. People are shaking their heads. I hated Power Rangers too. It was whack. <laughs> but but that's that's. That's what I picture what Paul is doing when we talk about deploying the armor, is when you're praying for me, all of a sudden, in the spiritual realm, all of a sudden, it's like this energy goes up into the heavens. And as the energy goes up, it just starts coming down, and I start, oh, and I start getting clapped with the spirit of, of the word of the, the sword of the spirit. And, and then all of a sudden, the breastplate of righteousness comes sticking to me, and, and then the shield of faith comes up, and, and I just boom, boom, and all clapped up. And the devil's like, oh, man, dude, I can't mess with the dude because they praying for him. At least that's what I picture in my mind. And what's very interesting here about the text is, and many of you guys have asked even as we talked about our vision, our value of church's family, as we just uh, talked about, as we just recited earlier. Do you realize that intercession is one way we live that out? In Ephesians 2 18 through 19, it says that we are no longer strangers. Ephesians chapter 4, Paul calls us to unity, that we are one. So, so we carry one another. You realize it's one body. Hold up. You are my body and I'm yours. This is why we weep with those who weep and mourn with those who mourn. Because you, your pain is mine and mine is yours. Your joy is mine and mine is yours. This is what it looks like to live as If you've been wondering, what does it look like to live as church's family? Intercessory prayer is a good example of what that looks like in your small groups, I want to encourage you guys, intercede for one another, equip one another, deploy the armor for your brother or sister. We also have a ministry called The Effect. And the effect is, we call it effect because cause and effect, right? We pray, and the effect is God moves. And so we call them The Effect. And they actually came up with that. And that ministry actually came about some years ago as a result of the need for intercessory prayer. I told you guys a while back, I don't know if you remember this, but that I would kind of finish the dream that I talked about years ago that my wife had. And the dream was she was trying to grab our kids. And the devil, there was this demonic presence that was coming and it was laughing and it was grabbing our children and and snatching them away. And she was constantly trying to get to him, but every time she tried to, she just had to have the ability to get to the kids. And, and the devil would come and snatch another one, and snatch another one of our kids, and snatch another one. He was just laughing the entire time. And me, I was off in a corner, totally turned around, totally oblivious to what was going on. And I remember this dream, and it was on repeat for Ruth throughout the night. And I remember my wife sitting down and just sharing that dream. I don't know if Mike Chang and John Yeo, they remember being a part of that, but we were at Tokansa, and she was telling the dream just in tears and telling how much we just felt like the devil was just right on the heels when it came to our children and our family. And it was in that conversation that some of the seeds of the birth of the effect ministry began. And it was actually Mike Chang and John Yeo that actually started this ministry for us. And what was interesting is that right during that time, at the very beginning and the start of the effect ministry, our family went through profound measures of attack from the evil one. Our kids assaulted in various ways. But the powerful thing about it was, and I could tell story after story, our church and our people were mobilized behind it. And there were miracles that occurred And each one of our kids, and if I told you them, you would be like, that's crazy. And it came during a time when we were struggling with putting on the armor. And so guess what? The church put it on for us. They upheld us. This is the power of intercessory prayer. So what aspect of prayer deploys the armor? Intercessory prayer. Now, one of the reasons why I wanted to slow down is because I think all of us know prayer is something that you should do. If you're Christian or non-Christian, right, you just know that's just something you do. So a lot of times, if I've preached on prayer, I just tell you, y'all, pray. But a lot of times we don't slow down enough to talk about how. How? Because if we're honest, I'll be honest, prayer is not always easy. It's not easy for me. And to engage in intercessory prayer, what does that look like and how do I do it? So now that we know that it deploys, how do we actually engage in it? And I just want to credit uh, John Coe and Strobel for their book on prayer as it was extremely helpful for me. And these are many and much of their thoughts. And this is how you engage in this mode of intercessory prayer. One, you intercede for another Needing to be present with that person in your prayer, wherever they find themselves. It's being actually with them, opening yourself up to their difficulties, their challenges, their desires, their needs, their fears. Wherever they find themselves, intercessory prayer is being present with them right where they are which is why it's so difficult, because you may not be there. Secondarily, intercessory prayer to intercede is to not only be present with that person, but to be present with yourself in relationship to that person. Because here's what happens, and I'm going to break this down. Intercession, when you're praying for someone else, it, awak- it awakens in you areas of brokenness, pain, envy, indifference, need for control that you would not experience had you not been praying for that person. And I'll show you what I mean. So first, intercession is being present with another. Let me break that down. A lot of times maybe we think that prayer isn't very meaningful for someone else. Sometimes maybe you may feel that it's the least that you can do. But true biblical intercession is supernatural in reality it is literally in the heavens why do I say that well first when you're praying for someone realize we are in Christ together we are in Christ together that's supernatural second We are not only in Christ, but we are together, seated with Christ in the heavens. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. That's supernatural. Not only that, we are, as I said before, one body. Your pains are my pains. There is a supernatural connection that happens. You may not feel it. You may not realize it. But the reality of being in Christ means that you have a body that's not just your own. Ephesians chapter 4. And this is why in 1 Corinthians 12, 26, Paul says, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. That is a supernatural reality, whether you feel it or not. And because of these supernatural realities about who we are in Christ together, Hebrews 4, verse 16, we can draw near to the throne of grace. So here's what happens here's what happens in intercession i want you to try to picture it if you can if you use your, your supernatural spiritual imagination if you will this is what happens in intercessory prayer you're actually if you will picking that person up taking all of what is on their plate their circumstance their challenge their desires their fears and in faith what you are doing is you are carrying them in the Spirit to the throne of grace and presenting them to God right next to you with them. Are you with me? This is, it gives me chills just thinking about it. Sometimes I think we're so disconnected. No, when you're praying for it's just like, I mean, you know, some of you guys have brothers and sisters. just like when, when my little brother, and then what, this is what happened. My little brother would scrape his knee, right? What do I do? I don't just, I don't just, uh, well, sometimes I did. I was kind of, <laughs> this is not a good analogy. Because sometimes they'd be like, deal with it, fool. And then keep playing while he's sitting there crying, <laughs> right? Okay. A good brother, which I was not, would say, all right, come on, man, get up, get up. And you would, let's go, let's go see mommy, let's go see daddy, right? And I am taking my brother, To the throne of what grace and I'm going where I know that he can find grace he can find help he can find strength he can find a band-aid he can find a loving uh, a loving hug he can find something that he needs that I can't give him cuz I'm not daddy I'm not mommy and so when I bring him before dad but I bring him before mom then what do I do I present him before my mom dad jerry just scratched his knee he just and what does mom or dad do okay honey it's okay i got it and then what do i do i entrust him to mom and dad that's exactly what we do in intercessory prayer i'm going to entrust you to the father The question that I then ask is, what do I pray when I bring that individual before the throne of grace? What I discovered is, Paul would pray what Paul prayed. Pretty much I could sum up Paul's prayers in Ephesians. He prays for two things, power and love. Power and love. To know power and to know love. To walk in power and to walk in love. That's pretty much what Paul is praying for the Ephesians church. I want them to know power. I want them to know his love. I want them to be so rooted in his love. And I want them to walk in love toward one another. I want them to walk in power toward one another. A clear illustration for me of this, when it comes to praying When you bring someone before the Father is no love, and for them to know power, is uh, David and Emily. For those of you who are new to our church, that's my brother-in-law, and they are missionaries in Papua New Guinea. And they have been there probably for seven or eight years. And they actually went into a people group that was not only unreached, but unengaged. Uh, They had never been engaged by the outside world. Uh, They didn't have a written language. Uh, Their language within their village is only their language, and it's not known by anyone else in the entire world. So they had to first go land there by helicopter. They had to build a rapport. They had to learn their language. Then after learning their language, they had to then put it into written form, then teach them that written form, and then they had to take that language and then put in written form the scriptures. So they, they picked key passages or key books of the Bible and translated them by hand, word by word. This is crazy, right? This is like awesome. And so they've been doing this for years. And they finally found themselves at a place where hey, they had done all of that work. And now they were ready to take them through the gospel narrative, beginning with Genesis, the fall, and finally getting all the way from the fall to God's rescuing, saving grace in Jesus. And so this is going to take a process of like four months. And so they reached out to us and I shared this with you guys before. And right when they were at the cusp of now being able to take this people group who had never heard the gospel, they're right at the cusp, ready to start this, this narrative that they might come to find freedom in Jesus. This is what David wrote to myself and Ruth. There seems to be a spiritual weight tied off a physical problem for every person in my family we are shielded yet buried under the weight of the enemy's arrows every day it seems we're huddling as a family and crying out for the promises of god to manifest in real time it seems the enemy has chosen our family for this onslaught and the reason he says that's because there's three families that are there on the field with them and we are utterly perplexed at the timing and weary by the constantness of these attacks We need to breathe, but but as the teaching is just a week away, we're bombarded all the more, it seems. What was once a tiny shell here has, has become a full out assault, and we're crying out to the Lord to be present with us. We have we have no idea when the shelling from the enemy is gonna stop, but the constant noise in our minds and in our hearts of failure, of feeling alone, of weariness, of past faults, of right are rising in our hearts as our inadequacies just rise above us, the mountain of responsibilities, all the physical illnesses we are presently enduring. We're so close, one week away from the Mali Ali starting to hear the truth, but we are dismayed and in fear of what new attacks lay ahead. We know he's for us, but where is he? We know he hears us, but why won't he act? We know he cares, but we're being crushed. We're not dead. My friends, brothers, shepherds, pray for our boldness to spit in the face of our adversaries and to not surrender. Pray for our confidence as we continue to ask for his help. Pray for our endurance as we wait on him to show himself to be what he is, faithful. He always comes through. But may he help our unbelief. That was about three months ago. That he sent this. And if you notice, what are they praying for? Power and love. We just need God's power because we're so weak. We need to know his love and have him root us in his love more deeply because I just don't feel it and see it right now. And so that's what we've been praying for, David and Emily. And guess what, church? Last week, for the first time, they presented the gospel, and people got saved. He just sent me a text this week, and he said, I just want to thank you for holding us up in your prayers. If it wasn't for your prayers, we would have given up. But now... He says, we are feasting at joy at the table of the redeemed. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You see, church, our prayers were not in vain. We were taking our brother and our sister before the throne of grace. And in that place, they were finding all that they need in the God that can only supply what they needed. And as we prayed, you know what we were doing? we were putting the shield of faith up for them. When that shield of faith was too heavy and they couldn't lift it, we lifted it for them. It reminds me of the passage in Exodus chapter 17 when, when, when the children of Israel were being onslaughted by an enemy and, and Moses and Aaron, I don't know if you know that song, Moses and Aaron and, and, and her was standing and, and, Aaron, and God said, if you just keep your arms up, if you keep your arms up, you will succeed. But it took so long that Moses started getting tired. And his hands started to drop. And whenever his hands would drop, the other enemy would come in and start winning the battle. And so God, so then Moses says, you got to hold my hands up. It's too heavy. And so Aaron took his left hand and her took his right hand and they held that man's hands up. And by the grace of God, in that movement of them coming together, God did a miracle in Israel. That's exactly what I see right here that God used us to do for David and Emily. Prayer is more powerful than we give it credit for. And when you think of the people around you that you're praying for right now, if you could boil it down to just two things, I bet you, more than anything, the thing that they need most right now is power and love. And I think that's why Paul, out of all the things he could have prayed for, prayed for those two things for the Ephesian church. And let me say this as well. The vision of prayer that Paul projects in this passage, it goes far beyond our tendency as Christians to limit most of our praying for others in crisis. I'm not saying that's not important, but there is much intercessory prayer that needs to take place in the lives of the people that you're praying for that needs to come way before the crisis hits colossians 4 12. who is one of you a servant of christ jesus greets you what's that word everyone everybody say always everybody say always give it to me one more time always struggling not when a crisis comes I'm always struggling. That word in the Greek is wrestling on your behalf in his prayers. You see, you need me praying power and love before you need power and love. I need you praying power and love when the sun is shining and the birds are chirping. We need to be wrestling on behalf of one another that we can stand firm, fully assured, no matter what God brings our way. You see, intercessory prayer is, first, presenting the other to God. Secondarily, intercessory prayer is, pres- is being not only present with the other, it's being present with yourself. See, to intercede for someone else, you have to be present with what's going on with you. I want you to pay attention because a lot of times we don't pay attention to this, at least I don't. You see, because here's what happened: intercession, it awakens things like envy, indifference, pain and control. And sometimes our own hearts actually stand in the way of us praying for someone else. I'm going to just give some examples of places I've found myself in when I'm praying for someone else, or when I know I ought to be. envy. Or is that just me? They got that blessing. So I can't be present in praying for the thanksgiving and rejoice with them in it because I'm envious of the fact that they got it and I did it. You see, what unfulfilled longings are in my heart such that I can't have joy for another person's joy? Or is that just me? You've wanted that child, but yet it's your friend who gets pregnant. You've wanted a spouse for so long, and yet it's your friend who finds one. You wanted success to land in your lap for so long you've been in a desert, but now this individual seems like they're on a mountain. And they're saying, hey, can you pray for me? Can you just have thanksgiving for me and pray for me in this new blessing that God has given me? Have you ever found yourself there just full of envy and it makes it difficult for you to pray and be with them in their prayer? Here's another one, vengeful, a vengeful heart. Someone goes through a crisis, a challenge, a situation. And I don't know if you've had this, but I know of someone even now. This person hurt a lot of relationships. With his legalistic heart, he lacked grace in a lot of his relationships over the years. And then one day he walked into his household And it was empty. His wife and his children had left him. And the sad part about this story is that there was no one that was present with him in it. And the reason why was because those people who he had a relationship with over those years were full of vengeance in their hearts. And they just were happy and glad over the simple fact that, guess what? You deserve it. You deserve it. You're that guy, and now you're reaping what you sow, and they could not and would not meet him in his pain and in his sorrow in prayer, walking alongside him, holding him up, and he was very deeply lonely. You see the I told you so's, the things in your heart that when something happens to somebody, you say, yeah, that's what you get, that they don't deserve to ask for prayer, because the reason why they're in this mess is because of them, because of their sinful behaviors, because of the fact that they didn't listen to my advice and the fact that they wanted to do this way and not that way. And so as a result, that's what you get. You see, if you're not attentive to your own heart, then you can't step into intercessory prayer for someone else. What about hurt? Isn't it hard to pray for someone else who's hurt you? did not Jesus say, right, pray for those? Right? Notice he says, pray for those right, who spitefully use you. Is it just me or is it hard to pray for somebody that uses you? You see, there's a measure that you have to attend to your own heart before you can step into prayer for someone else. What about you're desiring something for someone and you want your will, control, right? Praying from a place sometimes of almost demand God, if you don't move in this way, then I'm going to find myself in some kind of negative emotions towards you. Because, because I want my will done. The, what I'm praying is the way I want you to answer, God. Or what about indifference? Sometimes there's a lack of empathy just because you haven't been where that person is. And so you're just indifferent toward it. Or what about anxiety? You know, some of us, our prayers are conditioned by anxiety. It drives us to pray. And it can drive us to pray for something that we want, but may not be what is God's best. Hear me. Our anxieties can drive us to pray for something that we want and not what is God's best. Watch this. We may be anxious because someone close to us is sick. And so we're praying, God, this is what we pray. God, will you please keep them from dying? When maybe... What you need to be praying is, God, will you root them more in your love in the threat of their dying? Maybe you're so anxious praying that they would stop going down this path that's going to lead to profound consequences. And God, I just want them to to avoid these painful consequences when maybe what you need to be praying is, God, use this path and all its consequences to open their eyes to the maggot-filled promises of sin that they might see the glory of you as treasure you see you, you might be anxious that, that that if they just don't get that blessing that you're praying for that they're going to fall into some deep discouragement and then maybe actually you should be praying god Well, you are the God who gives and take away. God, will you give this person that wants this blessing the heart of Job to bless your name by seeing all the spiritual blessings that they already have in the heavenly places in Jesus, no matter what they gain or lose on earth. Maybe you should be praying that for that individual. You see, in intercessory prayer, we present ourselves to God. Aware of all of the desires and the feelings, the anxiety, the control, the indifference, the envy regarding that person. And we bring those things before God as we pray for them too. You see, being present to myself, being present not only to that person in prayer, but present to myself and what's going on with me, is to watch how my thoughts and feelings are governing how I pray. And would I pray for that person? It's asking, God, what is standing in the way of me being present with that person right now? It's being open to the ways that my heart breaks for them and doesn't. The ways I avoid entering into their sorrow and the ways I don't. It's praying, God, help me be with them in this. It's doing a Psalm 139, 23 searching. Search my heart, O oh God, and know my heart. So intercessory prayer is praying for the other, it's praying for myself, and then now lastly. Lastly, as I get myself ready to close, it's being present with God. Not only is it being present with the other, not only is intercessory prayer being present with self, it's being present with God in it. You see, you need to be present to God. As you are praying and bringing this person with you to the throne of grace, believing and knowing that God is also with you and them in this. It's not just about being with the other person, but it's about being with them in the presence of God. Because this is what happens when you're with that person in the presence of God, it empowers you to entrust them to God to be what you can't be for them. You see, our prayers, as I said before, can be riddled with anxiety. Our prayers, as I said before, can be riddled with our own desires and desired outcomes. We can pray to God sometimes like he's a vending machine. But here's the thing we all know. God has a will and God has a way. we come to him who loves us but he doesn't owe us sometimes we come to God like he what like he owes us but yet when we come to God with that person and we pray in his presence we know because of who he is that his face is toward us in Christ and we need to know that God is present to us in Christ When you bring someone before him in prayer he knows the desires that are on your heart for this person he knows the desires on your heart for this situation and here's the reality when you are stepping and rooted in his presence in prayer he cares because he tells us cast what all your cares on him because he cares for you you see to pray in his presence is to take, watch this, all the realities of who God is to you and for you and realizing that he's not against you. It's taking the reality that he will never leave you or forsake you. What can man do to you? It's taking the reality that the God in whose presence you are bringing this situation and this person in, he is in the rivers, he is in the water, he is in the fires, and he is in the floods. The God that you're bringing this person to as you pray in his presence, this God, everything under heaven belongs to him. And he delights in you he delights in this person you are his treasured possession the the person that you're bringing this 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 God this person that you're bringing God before this God it tells us in the text that he is not withholding any good thing from you Romans chapter 8 verse 32 and this God that you're that you're bringing this person this situation to you this God has all wisdom and knowledge all of it belongs to him When you root yourself in that, in the presence of God, as you're bringing this person before you by faith in Jesus, you can entrust that person to the Lord knowing they're going to gain more grace than you could even imagine. And what does this do? It just simply frees you in prayer to be present with God for this person without demands or willful expectations. When the realities of who God is are rooting you, when every spiritual blessing belongs to you in the heavens, where you know ultimately He cares for every single one of your needs. You know, he's not going to leave you or forsake you. You know, all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. What eye has seen, what ear has heard, what heart has imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. When all of these realities land in prayer, then you can just simply present that situation and that person before God without demands or willful expectations. Why? Because we're entrusting this situation and this person to a God who's loving merciful and wise and while at the same time we're opening up ourselves to the fact that we struggle with and struggle to believe in all the things that we know we ought to as we bring this person before the Lord so what have we seen What other aspect of prayer deploys the armor? This is different, and I don't want you to miss this. It's intercessory prayer. Intercessory prayer is more powerful than we give it credit for. Here's the reality. I cannot experience the measure of strength and power that God has for me in Him through the armor without you and you without me you need the church the church is central to where God wants to bring you in your spiritual maturation in him you can't be in front of a TV screen and get church you can't be I'm gonna watch this podcast and get church church is shoulder-to-shoulder face-to-face It's me bringing you into those places and you meeting me in those places and me doing the same for you there is a measure of blessing that God has for you in Jesus that can only be in the church if you're disconnected if you're just coming on Sunday then you're missing out on all that God has for you in him through what he designed in his church And how do you do it? You present that person before the throne of grace. You present yourself to the throne of grace. And you're present with God in it, knowing that he's going to do far more abundantly than you could ever even ask or think. This is the power of prayer. And so what I want us to do right now is I'm going to ask us to practice. I'm going to ask us to practice intercessory prayer in two ways. First of all, I'm going to ask that you would take time to pray for our building campaign. God has been gracious to us. Um, There's some things that are going on in the background that I want to share, but I can't. But just know that that God is hearing and and responding in some very monumental ways, even at these early stages. And now we're at a place where we want to invite everyone else into that. And so starting this Sunday, today, you can start to walk with us and contribute to what God's vision is for Living Way through this Beyond the Building campaign. So first, what I want to do as you're praying, I want you to be praying, God, what does it look like for me to participate? What does it look like for me to give of my financial resources toward this vision that you have through Living Way to go beyond the building? And then I want to ask you to do this, to pray for us. Will you intercede for Living Way? We're right on the cusp of something, and it's on the cusp. And if God just kind of lets something drop, that we could really find ourselves stepping into something glorious. But we don't want to go into it with our own desires and our own willful expectations. This is God's business. He may not want us to have this building. He may have a whole other plan because his ways are not our ways. As the heavens are above the earth, so are his ways and ours. And we will submit to whatever he has. But will you pray? Will you pray first of all that we take that posture toward this? Because I'm a little anxious. I'm going to be honest. Will you pray for us as the leadership? Will you pray for our church and all who are invested and involved? And will you ask God to actually do far more abundantly than we can ask or think through it? So I'm asking, will you present us? Secondarily, as you're praying for the building campaign, present yourself. What are the things that may be going on in your own heart around this whole campaign? It's probably brought up some stuff in some of you guys. Some of you guys probably... Break out in highs when you hear building. Some of you guys have had some poor, bad experiences. Some of you guys might be thinking, man, I've seen leadership use money in a way that just was totally inconsistent with the way God called. Whatever that may be, those may be some hindrances in your own heart for jumping into what God has here at Living Way. Will you present yourself also before the Lord and ask Him to just give attention to those places? And then will you do that in God's presence? knowing that he is the all-satisfying, all-providing God who owns a cattle on a thousand hills. And then secondarily, I'm going to ask you to do that same process. Present a person, present yourself, and be present with God with one area in your life that's just really been burdening you. You've been interceding for this person, this situation, and it's been heavy. I want you to practice right now. Present that person before God. Present yourself and maybe all of the challenges that are part of you in this situation, and then take all the realities of who God is and ask God, the Holy Spirit, help my unbelief, help me to believe all the realities that are true of me in Jesus for this person, for me in this situation. So I know and 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 work hard. I know and, and then if you're sleepy, come on, man. I'm a pastor. I have a hard time praying too. I get sleepy too then pray that. Hey, God, right now, I really want to be praying in the way that the pastor's calling me to, but I'm tired right now. Will you just meet me in that place? Just bring God into wherever you are. So let's just take a few moments now, and let's just bow our heads, and let's just take some time to go before our God, and let's pray. close us in prayer I just want to encourage you to continue to just be praying about your role and your place in the vision there's a number that you can text it's going to be up on the screen you just text that it may take 20 or 30 seconds for you to receive the text but as you've been praying and as you are praying about God's desired role for you in the vision um you can actually fill out a form for what you feel the Lord is kind of calling you to give. So I just want to commend that to you. If you want to put that on your phone or what have you, you can also go online. And uh, online there's a link for you to give toward this campaign. And then lastly, there are cards in the back. If you want to fill out a card, it's based on the way the Lord's kind of leading you. and Just leave it in the uh, offering box back there. You can do that as well. And that person that you brought before God, that situation that you just brought before the Lord, I just want to remind you again, something you already know, but that is true. He is for you and not against you in Jesus. If you're in Christ today, as much as your heart longs for God to answer in a way in which your heart desires to answer for that situation or that person. I just want to remind you, as your pastor who loves and cares for you, God loves and cares for you more than you can imagine. And if you ever doubt it, if you need another reminder, just look at the cross. Just look at the cross. That's what Paul says in Romans 8.32. He didn't spare his own son. How much more will he also with him graciously give you all things? The cross is the greatest demonstration of God's love and care for you in the situation where you find yourself praying for So let's go before that, God, now in prayer. God, we thank you. We thank you that in Jesus, that we go before is labeled grace and that God wherever we find ourselves you are there with us in it your promises for us in Jesus are yes and amen and so God Holy Spirit I pray which I was praying for my own heart right now, Lord, with some situations that are in my own heart. I didn't even know how to pray, so I just kept praying, lead me in the way everlasting. Like Psalm 139, 24 says, God, I pray for my brothers and sisters right now. Do whatever it takes by the power that belongs to us in you. The immeasurable greatness of your power when you raise Jesus from the dead seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above every rule, every authority, every power, and every dominion. God, will you rain down that power on my brothers and sisters and whatever their hearts are yearning for in prayer for someone else, for a situation, will you lead them in the way everlasting. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we all stand, please?